0: You can open up in your Bibles, we'll be over at Psalms chapter 1 to start. But two weeks ago we went over the miracles and blessings and the action that is needed to produce both that we saw that faith in God's voice produces miracles, faith in God's word produces blessings, faith in his voice, the voice of his spirit, the voice that comes up on the inside of you, that will produce miracles that God very often would come up and tell you to do something that you can't necessarily find in the Word of God like go wash in the River Jordan. Throw a stick in the the river. Things like that. But miracles followed it. An axe head floated. A leprous man was cleansed. But there's other things that we know from His Word that we are to do and when we continue to do what His Word tells us to do, that blessings follow that. Now, blessings are greater than miracles. Miracles are just enough to meet the need, but blessings are more than enough. And we certainly want to walk in the blessings, but there's times we need miracles to go on either in our lives or in the lives of other people. And we want to be able to, to do that. So, we've got to learn His voice and we've got to develop those patterns of obeying His Word. In Psalm chapter 1, we've read this scripture before and a very popular one. Most people know it. But blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So first off in here, before he gets into things that you are to do, he gets into those things that you are not to do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't take ungodly counsel. Here's another plug for not listening to the news people. Don't take ungodly counsel. That's what they are. I don't know too many godly news people. There There are probably some out there. just none that we find too often. And I don't listen to them anymore anyway, so... Wouldn't be able to tell you on that one. But blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That means if you have an ungodly doctor who doesn't believe in God and they tell you, Do this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go after that. Be careful of what counsel you listen to. Listen to godly counsel. Listen to the voice of God. What does the voice of God say? we got a whole lot of counsel going on right now about the economy. How bad it is and all this sort of... we got people out there, high up people, trying to compare this to the Great Depression. This doesn't even compare to the recession that came out of the Jimmy Carter era. If you look at the numbers let alone the Great Depression. We are nowhere near the Great Depression. But our leaders have said that if we follow the stimulus package and do all the things we put it to work, that we'll still have unemployment up in the double digits. (laughs) That doesn't sound like they think that plan is all that great. If you haven't called your senators and let them know about it, you ought to do some research on that stimulus bill. If you think it's going to bail anything out, you are wrong. I'm told 12 cents out of every dollar will go to actual stimulus. That For the most part, the stimulus bill is a way to build up all those things they like to pay for in the, uh, uh, in the budgets but have to battle through all the time. And they're paying for them in this. You all heard about Nancy Pelosi trying to fund all the contraceptives around the world in our stimulus bill. Millions of dollars. maybe may have even gotten into billions. Acord, 4.1 billion dollars. What good are they doing, and how they're going to stimulate the economy? Go on through there, and you you find out how many people, how many organizations, how many things are being funded in this stimulus bill that we won't be able to pay for for years. Make sure you get a hold of your senators. Go through it yourself, and then you find out if it's something that you want your money to go to, then you call your senator up and say vote for it. If you don't like the idea of all the things, and you ha- you can find lists, you can find all these things out. The Wall Street Journal, I know, broke it all down to let y'all know what what was in this stimulus bill. And it's not stimulating a whole lot. I heard one person put it this way before, that uh, the current administration is comparing a lot of things to, to Roosevelt. There is a... Uh, uh, if you go through back through history, there's a whole lot of, of uh, good, well-known economists who will tell you that what Roosevelt did prolonged the Depression. Did not help it. It prolonged it. And generally, as soon as you get government involved to do that, government has to take something in order, in order to give something. And it prolongs it. But the prevailing view amongst leaders in our country today is that the problem with Roosevelt, now get this, and they have said it, the problem with Roosevelt is he did not spend money fast enough. Boy, that scares me. I don't know what it does to you. That scares me. He didn't spend it fast enough. What got us out of the Great Depression, folks, was World War II. World War One, I, I guess it was. World War I. Well, the, the World War got us, into, got us out of that. That's what it took. One of those World Wars, anyway. It was two? Yeah, one was, be, was uh, early. Early, yep. But that's what you got. To, world will always get you out of depression because that puts everybody to work. But well, you going through that, don't listen to the counsel that's out there because they give you so much counsel, they're going to have you in such fear. So he says, first off, blesses is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly no matter how much counsel they try and give you about what you need and how much you need other people to bail you out and help you out and all this sort of stuff, don't listen to it. You need God. And God inspires you as to what you ought to do to get yourself taken care of. Listen to Him. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. Don't walk that way. Don't go that way. Get out of that path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So to get away from the scornful people, don't sit in that seat, that judgment seat, don't sit there. Don't stand in the path of sinners and don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So he's getting it covered where you should sit, where you should stand, and where you should walk. At least where you shouldn't. So the first thing you got to do is make sure that in your path, even before you get on the positive things, first off, take care of the negative. Don't walk in this. Don't stand in this. And don't sit in this. So you first off get that taken care of. Then he goes on. Now why is the negative mentioned before the positive? That's an intriguing thing. Why does he get into the negative first? It is that imperative that you do not do. This will negate the positive that you try and walk in. Don't let this negate it. Now you'll see why in a minute. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. If you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if you take all the ungodly counsel that's out there, all the psychiatrists who want to tell you it was your mom's fault, it was your dad's fault. And you meditate on those things. They all, all want to tell you that it, it was you are a victim of, your, of society. You want to listen to all this kind of stuff? Then when the Word of God comes to you, you won't hear it. And you can't delight in the law of the Lord. Because you got all this negative stuff on you. So you got to, first off, make sure you don't get that stuff in you. Get it out. Don't let it get around you. As soon as you hear counsel from the ungodly, a switch should go off on you that doubts it. You should instantly recognize that this is ungodly counsel. Uh, this is ungodly counsel. Did you all hear Nancy Pelosi's statement? Talk about ungodly counsel. Oh, my word. She was defending all the millions and billions of dollars, whatever it was that they had in the uh, stimulus bill for, for um, you know, abortions and, and um, contraceptives and all that sort of stuff all, the, all around the world. And she said, it is actually helpful... I, I can't even believe that she said this. And she said it with a straight face. You all probably left me. She, <laughs> she said, it actually helps economies when there's less people to put a strain on them. <laughs> she actually came out and said that. <laughs> it actually helps economies when there's less people... To have, the, to have a strain on it. Well, you know, if that's actual truth, then just take it all the way out. That should get rid of all of us. Let's see how the economy does. I mean, if we kill all the people, then there's no strain on the economy at all. <laughs> Dear Lord, the people who put a strain on the economy are the people that the government has made dependent on them. Don't walk in that kind of counsel. Get that stuff out. As soon as you hear stuff like that, you should say, Huh? What did, what did the Word of God have to say? about all that. Did he say go out and make sure you don't overpopulate the earth? What did he tell Adam and Eve? Fill it. <laughs> Fill it up. I think there's still room. <laughs> we haven't done that all the way yet. Which one now? Which one do you want to believe? Nancy Pelosi? Or the word of God? Now well, when I put it to you like that, you'll go ahead and say, "Well, I'm not going to believe Nancy." I mean, how often have you heard her talk and she actually sounds like she knows what she's talking about? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight, oh, you take delight in that. You take delight in oh, it's oh, it's so good. This is what yep, this is what I need. That means now here's you can tell when you take delight in the law of of the Lord, when the word of God is revealed to you either by somebody teaching. Um. You're studying the Word on your own and the Spirit of God reveals something to you. However, it comes. But a revelation from the Word of God comes to you and it rebukes you. It steps on your toes. It tells you you did it wrong. This will tell you whether you delight in the law of the Lord. You'll say, Glory to God. That's what I needed. That's what I needed. Oh, thank you, Father God. Thank you for, I see that now. I was doing that wrong. I messed up. I missed it. I didn't see that. Now I see it. Oh, I can fix that up. See, that's a person who takes delight in the law of the Lord. A person who does not take delight in the law of the Lord, you step on their toes with the Word of God. The Word of God says, don't do this. Oh, what do you mean? Don't I want to do that. That is not a person who delights in the law of the Lord. That is a person who walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, you tell that to that person, they probably don't believe you. But they're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Somewhere along the line, they have counsel in them. It goes against the Word of God and they want to walk in it. They don't want to walk in the Word. Anytime the Word of God is revealed to you and it shows you something that you are doing, maybe based on ignorance, maybe based on wrong teaching, whatever it is, but as soon as the Word of God is revealed to you and you realize, I should not do that, instantly you should say, I'm stopping it. I'm getting out of that. If you delight in in the law of the Lord. But if you don't delight in the law of the Lord, you'll find some reason to say, that's not what it means. That's not right. I, that was for a long time ago, not for now. All that kind of stuff comes on out. But you take delight in the law of the Lord, even if when it rebukes you. You say, all right, all right, that's good. Now I can fix that up. Now I can get that right. And in His law, He meditates day and night. Well, it's because you delight in it. You're saying, show me what else I'm doing wrong. Show me what I'm doing right too, but show me what else I'm doing wrong. I want to know. Show me what it is. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall be like a tree. I want to be like a tree planted by rivers of water because those roots go down deep. They're doing well. Don't matter what's going on. If it doesn't rain, they got water right there. It's good. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water That brings forth its fruit in its season. It's better to bring forth fruits in their season. There's a reason that they come out in those seasons. Whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, those all sound like good things. I'd like my leaves not to wither. I mean, just imagine if all the trees that are on your property, the leaf never withered. How much better would fall be? No raking leaves. No picking all that stuff up. Glory to God. They all just stay on the trees. I know when God sets up His kingdom, those leaves are on the trees all the time. They just stay there because I like them better green. I think if I like them better green, so does God. <laughs> I know we may get up there and find out different, but I don't know. They were pretty when all that snow was on them. I know, but you know that only lasts for what half a day, day, and then it all falls off and. That's not not as much fun then. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. If you wish to be that, if you wish that to define who you are, you must not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You must not stand in the path of sinners. You must not sit in the seat of the scornful. You must first off make sure those things are taken out. And then you must delight in the law of the Lord and meditate in His word day and night. That's what you need to do. He says, the ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff which is, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Well, let's stay in the way of the righteous. That's important for us to do. Now, we lay that foundation going over the Numbers chapter 14. You all know this story. We've gone over it a number of times. You've probably gone over it a number of times on your own. So, I don't really need to teach all the different things about it, but let's look at it and go through. In verse 1, So all the congregation lifted up their, voice, their voices and cried and the people wept that night this is because of the report that the spies brought back that it was a great lamb but the giants lived in there and all that and all the children of Israel complained against Moses once you hear that word complained you just know it isn't good now we know that if we read that in the word of God that the people complained that the disciples complained that the people of Capernaum complained whatever it is we all know they're they're already wrong right? Yeah, we'll do it. (laughs) How many of you just complained just just this week? Complained about stuff here? Complained about stuff there? Just complained? Now we know we can read this in the Word of God. Oh, they're, they're wrong. They're wrong here. Oh, they complained. Oh, I know something bad's coming. And yet tomorrow we'll go out and complain, won't we? We'll complain about our job. We'll complain about our pay. We'll complain about the economy. We'll complain about what our leaders are doing. We'll complain about what our leaders are not doing. We'll just (laughs) complain. Isn't that funny? (laughs) His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His Word, He meditates day and night. Does not follow the counsel of the ungodly. Does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Does not stand in the path of sinners. So by that definition, would a Psalm 1 person who's blessed be a complainer? Mm Mm-mm. So every time you think about complaining or complaining comes out, just stop yourself. I'm a Psalm 1 person. I'm going to be planted by the rivers. Trees, leaves not withering, bearing fruit in their season. All that sort of stuff. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Of course, they didn't want to die in Egypt and they didn't want to die in the wilderness when they had the opportunity. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword and our wives and children should become victims? Would it not, not be better for us to return to Egypt? Well, it's always easy to find victims, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're always looking out there for victims. The news media people are always looking out there for victims. Politicians are always trying to find victims because they can find the right victim. They can bring out you know, why you should do this. Why it should be this way? How many times do they promote abortion? And they'll find a victim. Someone who was a, a rape case or somebody whose who, uh, life was in danger. And look at these people over here. Oh, we need to have it for this. Everybody, you're always looking for victims. That's what Israel's doing. Here we got some victims. Look at our children. Look at our wives. Oh, they're going to be fall victim because what God did. Why has the Lord brought us out of this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. What are they doing? Following the counsel of the ungodly. ungodly. Now, I thought these were godly people. Isn't Israel supposed to be made up of godly people? But they're following the counsel of the ungodly because the counsel that they're getting is not godly counsel. It's not according to the Word of God. Does anything they say, is it backed up by the things that God has said? So if it's not backed up by the things that God has said, it is counsel of the ungodly. I don't care how much of a religious leader, how much of a spiritual person, how much you deem them to be on the ball or whatever. If they give you counsel that goes against The word of God, the plan of God that he's already stated, the commands of his word. If they do that, it is counsel of the ungodly. Now, should you really stand there and rebuke them? Absolutely. Whose example would you rather follow? Jesus's example or the children of Israel's example? I'd rather follow Jesus. So when Jesus was pulled aside and given counsel of the ungodly by Peter, who said, you shouldn't be talking like this. What did Jesus do? Well, I know you mean well, Peter. He didn't do that, did he? What did he do? Rebuked him. Rebuked him right there. That's counsel of the ungodly. I'm not getting near that. I'm not following after that. So when government leaders, uh, press people, work people, Whomever you come in contact with. And they come out there and they say, be afraid. Recession is coming. And they throw out numbers. Like how many of you have heard people throw out numbers? say this is the worst in decades. And you know what? I think I, I did hear someone say, this is the worst in, in three decades. And they are right. It's the worst. You imagine we've gone three decades without this much of a problem. And generally, ec- economies go up and down. That's the nature of them. They self-correct until they're interfered with. You don't interfere with a process. And we dumped a whole lot of regulations on our economy and it spun out of control and we wondered why. You cannot regulate an economy. You must let it go. It's, It's a free market. If you don't, if you get in there and you try and mess with it, you will have problems. Go back through history. Look how the communists did it. They tried to regulate their economy. How did it work for them? How many of you wanted to buy uh, German cars? There was uh, East East German cars. No. How many of you were in the market for Russian autos? No. We didn't. We didn't like those. Now West German cars were different, right? West German, whole different ball game, but it's still Germans. But West German cars, they were top of the top of the heat. The Mercedes, the BMWs. Good cars, but you go over to the other side. How'd that work? didn't work out so well. You can't regulate those things. That's what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to regulate it. It won't work for them either. Go through history, you'll find out. It does not work to regulate an economy. You cannot do it. This whole stimulus thing that they're trying to do, it has more regulations to control our economy than it does help. Whole lot. You cannot stimulate it by putting more regulations on it. But if you go through it, you will find there's a whole mess of regulations all in the name of keeping things green and you all know all the stuff that goes on with that. It's not good. We got a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of counsel that's out there. We cannot follow their counsel. Don't follow the counsel of the world. Stay out of it. Don't let it dominate your thoughts. You say, Father God, what do you say about our economy? What do you say about my job? What do you say about my place that I'm working? Listen to him. Don't listen to the other people. The other people put you in fear. They're going to get you complaining. They're going to get you going before God. I said it would have been better that I died. It would have been better that I didn't take this job. It would have been better that I didn't do this. You'll be thinking that. Oh, I wish I hadn't about this. But you told me I wish I hadn't done it. Don't follow their counsel. You want to be that tree? Don't follow the counsel. Say, so trees don't don't uh, move around. Trees don't go, I like that river over there better. <laughs> when you're planted by a river, that's where you are. They're not a tumbleweed. Don't act like one. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among them who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Now look at this: Moses and Aaron fall on their faces. Joshua and Caleb tear their clothes. You got four people here, all of which are spiritual, all of which know the voice of God, who realize what they did. This is scary. They are scared for the people, not for themselves. (laughs) They are scared for the people. They realize, you have you have done it now. You have done it now. That's all that you needed to say. I just know you pushed God too far on this one. They didn't do this every time that they complained, but they did it this time. And something was different. Moses there knew instantly, God is bad. Joshua and Caleb no, instantly, oh man, we had better do something. We've got to try and get them out of it. It's probably too late. They've already said it, but we've got to try and get them out of it. So they go on. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people, Of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Is this godly counsel? It's going right along with the Word of God. It's not popular counsel, it's not accepted counsel, but it is godly. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Rebellion and fear, folks, go together. When you begin to fear what's going to happen to you at the hands of the enemy, it's almost like rebellion and God. Here, they actually equate it. You're rebelling against God. Now, they were rebelling more because they're mad at God and I'm going to go the other way and do what God said not to do. But don't get into fear. Don't get into rebellion. Stay out of that area. What should we fear in life? Fear the Lord. only thing we're ever commanded to fear and there it's not an afraid fear. It's a respect all type of a fear. But don't fear. Don't be afraid. When you begin to fear that fear come up, know that somewhere in you probably godly counsel is residing. Ungodly counsel is residing. Get the ungodly counsel out. Identify it. Where is it? Where is that ungodly counsel? Get rid of it. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. And all the congregation said to to stone them with stones. Isn't that the way we want to do it? Just get rid of any contrary counsel. Any contrary counsel. Just stone them. Just get rid of them. That's the whole thing that we want to do. Just get rid of it. Anything that's ungodly, get rid of it. Get it gone. This is why in the world today, you notice that that certain preachers, not all preachers, but certain preachers, certain religious leaders are coming under such attack. Because they say things and they identify things. People who want to come up and and identify and have have a following or have a voice that's heard and they want to identify things about abortion, things about uh, uh, gay rights, and, uh, and speak things about what the Word of God has to say. They come under attack. They come under fire. It's not the way it should be, but that's the way that, it, that the world goes about it. The world likes to silence the things that are coming against them. You're going to see this even more as the government goes on. Because the government has already been doing things. They've done it before. They've been trying to get them going. They're trying to get churches to quiet down. They're trying to get opposition to quiet down. I've heard it before. They're going to try this fairness doctrine that was in place before Reagan took office and Reagan stopped it. If you all don't know what that is, that's just a way to silence any opposition. Hillary Clinton, when she was running, said it's, it's patriotic to stand up and oppose an administration. She said that in her campaign. But now it's no longer patriotic. And they're trying to shut down avenues and places that speak against what's going on. The places that come against and try and identify what's going on with with the stimulus thing and other things that are going on. They're trying to silence them. There's reasons for it. But they don't like that. It's just like it is here. They want to stone them. You're going to speak that way. You're going to talk that way. We want to stone you. We're going to get you out. You're not going to be a thorn. We're going to do what we want to do. Don't let it go on. Don't let it be that way. And all the congregation said to the stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. That got their attention. Maybe that's what we need today. Just get the glory of God to show up. Go right on down there to Washington. Get the glory of God to show up. Get all those House of Representative people, all those Senators take notice. The glory of God showing up. That'll get their attention. Try and regulate this. That isn't going to happen. And Moses immediately begins to intercede for the people in the verses that are to follow and to plead for their lives because God is ready to wipe them out. He says, Moses, I am going to make of you a great and mighty nation. I'm going to kill all these folks off. Every single one of them. I don't want the, the husbands. I don't want the wives. I don't want the kids. I want to wipe everyone out except for you. And I'll build of you a great nation. And from that point on, if that would have happened, it would have been Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. And Moses. I would have been the forefathers. Everybody else in between didn't matter. They're all gone. Joshua and Caleb, <laughs> and Joshua and Caleb they would have been able to go along there too, but it, it would have been the forefathers. It Would have been Abraham, <laughs> Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Just skipped all the other stuff in between that was not, not necessary. <laughs> now God could have pulled it off if He if he, he didn't say He didn't just say it as an empty thread. He could have pulled it off. And he's happy to. He'd have to wait a number of more years because it would be a while before Moses would have enough kids, grandkids and great-grandkids to accomplish what they wanted to do, become a great and mighty nation. But God could have done it. He's a patient God. He'll take hundreds of years to get something going. If he wants to. He, it's alright with him. He would have done it. So Moses talks him out of that. And then they go on. Look it down over here at Verse 39. He pronounces a death sentence on all those that are of age. And he says, well, the ones you said are your victim, your wives and your children. Actually, he's more focused on the children. He said, I'm going to raise them up and they're going to be the ones that go into the land. They aren't going to be victims. And sure enough, they were not. And Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. So, they said, oh man, God is really mad with us. Now we've really done it. We have pushed him over the edge and we don't get to go in. He's going to kill us all. I know what we'll do. Let's go in anyway. And they arose in the early, early in the morning. <laughs> now they're early, now they're early morning people, right? And went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are. We're ready to obey now. And we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go up to the place which the Lord has promised. Now we're, we're calling on the, the word of the Lord here, huh? For we have sinned. Yeah, we'll acknowledge it that we've sinned, but we, you know, we want God to come back over here. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? For this, is, this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountain nevertheless. Neither the Ark of the Covenant nor the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormon. Well, what did they do again? Disobeyed the command of God. The command of God came down. Well, we'll disobey that then. So it just seems like they have a pattern of disobedience. If you say go in, no! And if you say don't go in, they say no! They just, whatever it is that you say, they're going to disobey it. They're gonna do their own thing. Well first we see that they refuse. They have a pattern of refusing to obey what God had proclaimed them, proclaimed to them. They just keep them, no matter what God proclaims, they refuse to obey it. Now you can develop a pattern of refusal you can develop a pattern to continually refre- refuse what God says. And it's not good. Now, generally unbelievers are the ones who continually do it. But you can also develop a pattern of questioning. What do you really mean for me to do that, do that now? Or was that for long ago? Is that really a command for me? <laughs> I mean, I know it's in your word and all, but is that really for me? I mean, it can't really apply to me, can it? I can do that now, can I? Well, look at the look at the special circumstances. I, I, I know God says I should do that, but, you know, I really can't. Don't we have reasons to question? Does God really mean that? Maybe it's figurative. You can develop a pattern of refusal. You can develop a pattern of questioning. And you can develop a pattern of obedience that as soon as God speaks, you obey. And the military boot camp is designed to put you into a pattern of obedience. However long it takes, they will get you into a pattern of obedience. And they don't care how stupid, how crazy the command is, you will have a pattern of obedience. Then when they say jump, you say how high? It don't matter why. You just get it done. So after that, then they had a recognition issue. As Joshua and Caleb recognized the trouble. As soon as it happened. They recognized it because they had a pattern of obedience, because they had a pattern to know God. They had a pattern of a relationship with God. And as soon as these folks walked out of it, as soon as they stepped out here, they knew, they all knew, independent of each other, it seems. They knew this is a problem. This is a big problem. They recognized it. How many times have you had that with people that you're trying to help? You recognize, all right, that's a problem. Yeah, that's the problem we're working on working at. And all of a sudden, they say something, do something. You almost want to step back. Oh, man. Watch out for that fire coming down. Watch out for that earth opening up. You just know something changed on this one. This one was different. And you just kind of back off on the thing or you try and help them and you try and get that urgency up. They recognize it. Well, Israel, all of Israel does not recognize. All of Israel does not see this as a problem. No matter how clear you may see something, it does not mean that other people see it that way. But again, it's probably because they don't delight in the law of their God. Joshua and Caleb delighted in the law of God. Moses and Aaron, Aaron at least most of the time, delighted in the command of God, the commands of God. But Israel does not. We haven't seen that pattern of delighting all all the time they've been going through here in the wilderness. People who doubt God are people who cannot see past the natural. People who doubt God are people who cannot see past the natural. It's because they cannot see past the natural that the natural is a, is a thorn for them. It is a stumbling block. Every time that they hear a command from God, every time they get a leading from the Word of God to do something and they see what to do, instantly they have this thing. No, no I can't do that. Look at this. Look at this. The Word of God says, dude, I I can't look at this. I I see this. Here's this obstacle. People who trust God and take Him at His Word are people who see into the spiritual. They see into the spiritual. They can see beyond the natural stuff and they can see into the spiritual. Our four guys we just looked at. Moses, Aaron, Caleb, Joshua. Joshua. These are people who can see into the spiritual. And when they saw Israel walk this way, they knew something's wrong. Something is worse here. This is bad. We've got to get them to stop. And then we have the rejection. God points out the rejection. He points out, these people have rejected me. They've rejected my word. They've rejected my commands. They've rejected my direction. Everything that I have given them, they have rejected. And He speaks judgment. And we see the role of an intercessor. And then he comes on out and he proclaims the judgment that God had declared which was not as bad a judgment as he first said. I wonder if Moses ever told them right off the bat. I know eventually they learned about it because they wrote it down. But I wonder if he told them. He wanted to kill you all right now. But I bought you some time. So Israel decides to go ahead and obey late. But again, they are just refusing to obey his word again. Again, just refusing to obey his word. Disobedience, folks, is a refusal to obey His Word. That's all it is. We cannot pick and choose what words we want to obey. You can't do that. If you do, you're not the one who delights in the Word of God. You're not one who meditates on it day and night because of that delight. You're not going to be like that tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf doesn't wither, bears fruit in its season. We cannot pick and choose the words we want to obey, or else we build a pattern of partial obedience. Partial obedience is bad. In both partial and complete obedience. Understand this. This is the similarities here. In both partial and complete obedience, I determine what is right and what is wrong. This is what the problem with partial obedience or complete disobedience is. I determine what is right and what is wrong. If you continue to put yourself into a role that you determine what is right and what is wrong, you will never grow spiritually. You will never learn the voice of God to the degree that you want to because you have not delighted in His Word. (laughs) So both partial and complete obedience. I determine what is right and what is wrong. And you have got to get out of that role. That's why I get so passionate about the, the Word of God is the Word of God. I cannot challenge... Any part of it. I must accept it all as the Word of God. And people that are in the body of Christ, especially people who claim to be ministers, who do not accept every part of this as being the Word of God, I do not even want to fellowship with them. And I don't. I don't don't want to get around that. I don't want to get in their path. I don't want to sit in their seat. I see them as unrighteous, ungodly. Because they have set themselves up as God. I am not in that position. I did not write the book. I accept the book as truth. and I work off that premise. And people who do not accept the Word of God as truth, 100%, all complete truth. I don't want to hear what their advice is. I don't want to hear what their counsel is. I don't want to hear what their insights are in the Word of God. I can care less. It might be good. But I'm not going to trust them because I don't see them as counsel for the godly. Anything in both partial and complete disobedience. Partial obedience or complete disobedience. I should have worded it that way. Yes, you're right. Thank you. That's good. That's good to clear that up. Anything less than God deciding what is right and what is wrong. Anything less than God deciding what is right and what is wrong. I cannot sit in that role at all. I must let God sit in that role completely. Anything less will build up my soul or my flesh. Anything less will build up my soul or my flesh. If I truly want to get to a place where I am building up my spirit man, God is right all the time. He is always right. Whatever He said in His Word, it's right. I don't care if I live in the 20th century, the 21st century, the 22nd century, the 15th century, the 10th century. It does not make any difference what time frame I live in. What God said is 100% right. It was right for yesterday. It was right for the day before that. It's going to be right for the future. It will always be right. And I don't sit there and try and say, was that for today? If the Word of God does not come out and say, this isn't for today anymore, like it does with the food laws, He came out and said, that's, uh, that's been fulfilled. What we wanted to do with that, it's been fulfilled. Paul, Peter had that vision. What I have called clean, do not call unclean. So what did Peter do? Lived according to that truth. God showed him what was going on. And you can go on and, and, and live in that truth. But just because he did it with the food laws doesn't mean he did it with the other things. Murder in the Old Testament is still murder in the New Testament. Don't do it. Stealing in the Old Testament hasn't been done away with. It's still stealing in the New Testament. Don't do it. Disobedience in the Old Testament, still disobedience in the New Testament. Don't do it. Anything less than God deciding what is right and what is wrong will build up my soul or my flesh. Every time that you sit in the seat of judgment and determine, I'm not going to obey this one. I, I just can't see myself obeyed. I can't get myself to that place. I don't understand why I should. I don't have that revelation. Well, hi behind that. Love that one. I don't have the revelation of why I should do that yet. <laughs> Dear Lord, did it say to do it? Yeah. But I'm not sure why yet. I need to know why. No, you don't. Just do it you were growing up, mom and dad said, don't do this. Why? You don't always ask that question. Why? Why? But did that hold any reason? I don't know why you didn't want me to do it, so I went ahead and did it. Did that hold any water with mom and dad? It's not going to hold any water with God either. If God said it, do it. So every time that I see something in the Word of God and He says, do it this way, and I face opposition, I face situations telling me, don't do it this way. And I do it the way God said, I build up my spirit man. I build up my spirit man. That's what I build up. That's what I've chosen to build up there. Build up your spirit man. Get him stronger. The blessings that God follow. The obedience of His Word. Obey it. Don't figure out why you shouldn't obey it. How you may not obey it. I would rather... Go up into heaven, stand before the Father God and say, I obeyed that. And God says, yeah, well, you misunderstood it, but you obeyed it in the way that you thought. That was good. Yes, sir, I did. That's what I thought you were talking about. That's what I thought you meant. And I obeyed it that way. Then getting up there and say, well, I didn't quite understand what you meant there. So I just did my own thing. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't mess with that. Do it God's way. Build up your spirit, man. When you are have the opportunity to get into fear, don't get into fear trust God. We got a whole lot of things. No matter what day we're in, don't we always have opportunity? I mean, right now, it's the economy. Eight years ago, when President Bush took office, we had economic issues as well. But then we had the whole thing with the with the terrorist stuff. Largest terrorist act that had gone on. And how many of you were wondering, well, what's next? And then we heard of things going on in other countries where terrorist acts in the subways and Buses and things like that were going on. And not a single attack over here. Not a single attack over here. And don't think it's because they got tired of attacking us. Under President Clinton, they attacked us. They attacked us. They attacked us. They attacked us. You know why? We just gave them token resistance. We didn't tell them we were up to to really go after it. And they attacked us under Bush. You may not have liked some things that Bush did. I didn't like some things that Bush did. But one thing I sure did like is he showed them who was boss. He said, if you're going to attack us, we are coming after you. Oh, he went after them relentlessly. There's a reason why we had not had another terrorist attack on our soil. And I think every person in this country who's been picking on President Bush ought to get over there and thank him because he's kept your family safe. Like it or not, like all the things that He's done or not doesn't make any difference He kept your family safe thank God for that but how many of you eight years ago when that whole thing went on down whatever number of years ago it was how many of you were wondering about tomorrow how many gave thought to getting on subways and on buses and climbing up skyscrapers and getting on airplanes how many gave second thoughts about that I don't know if I really want to do that and we face that what counsel were we walking in then? <laughs> counsel of the ungodly, wasn't it? Don't be, don't be messing with that. If, if there's a problem, God is the one who's going to tell you about it. And if God doesn't tell you about it and you die, glory to God. It's all over. <laughs> no more bills to pay. No more trouble to take care of. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, come on. How bad can it be? So we had that trouble then? Back in the Jimmy Carter days we had inflation. How many of you were concerned about inflation? Or buying gasoline? How many remember the lines to get the gasoline? Oh, I won't be able to drive places. I won't be able to go places. No matter what year. In fact, you can go through every year that we've had in the that we've been alive, and every year has had situations. Economic situations, scary situations, unknown situations. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Walk in the counsel of God. God, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? I'll tell you what, I I am more convinced than ever, the time is short. I I wish some of you folks would study this more. I, I told you before, I study this all the time. I'm not casually into the political sciences. I am all the way in. I study what our governments do. I know so much more than the average person does on what our governments do, on what our government officials believe, on what legislation they are writing. And the more I study it and the more I see it, the more I know we cannot last very long. What uncovered last year, the amount of money that we spent as a nation last year, if you only knew how much the, uh, the, all the inner workings of the economies, if you only knew about how our debt was covered, if you only knew about trouble in one country what it causes in another country, you folks would have more reason to be in fear than you will have right now. <laughs> than you would ever get from the news media. I study this stuff all the time. I know how much we, we hang on the edge. And what we spent last year pushed us to a point that I dare say we cannot come back from. And then this year, we've already spent more. Dwarfing what we spent last year. And they have plans on the books. The president had already said that what we just spent isn't enough. The trillion dollars he just, just put out there. A trillion dollars. I heard it said, in, you know, the jobs they want to create, Congress and all them want to create with the trillion dollar stimulus bill and all that they put out. If you divide it out, it costs $211,000 per job. Per job. How many of you like to make $211,000 at your job? If you only knew, if you knew what it does between us and China, if you knew what our spending does and how it has empowered China and has unempowered us against them, if you only knew what people cannot do against us militarily can now be done in a whole nother way. The world has been looking for a reason to push for world global Problem solving and everybody getting together and joining together. We, the United States, have given them the best reason in the world in all the money that we have spent. It started with the housing thing, which was because of government regulations. But it started with that. Do you know that we have just given more money to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to do exactly what they did before? that put us into the situation that we can't recover from. We have just given them more money to do exactly the same thing with the same people watching over where that money goes who watched over it before. And if the United States economy falls, what happens to the rest of the economies? I tell you, I, I know when God pulls us out of here, there's going to be a reason that people can believe why so many people disappeared. I've said it before in some of the things we've done, but I'm getting more more convinced that it's an economic one. And just as people killed themselves in the Great Depression, that they're going to blame it on things like that. There will be a natural reason to believe why everybody disappeared and not believe the rapture of the church happened. There will be a natural one. We, the United States, have given it the greatest opportunity. And we started off this year picking up right where we left off last year. And we're going full steam ahead. It's unbelievable. If you look at, if you want to go through and tally up all of our debt, the interest alone on it is pretty soon going to eclipse what our budget is in a year. It's scary. The more you get involved in it, folks, it is just plain scary. If you depended on the natural. Now you look at me, you understand, I've gotten into this more than probably most of you have. I'm not going around afraid. I'm not going around scared. I'm not going around depending on government. You cannot do it. But the government wants you to. They want people to become dependent on them and not dependent on God. There's a reason why. There's a reason why they want it that way. Don't give in to them. Don't give in to fear. Understand God knew what was going on. Look at the book of Revelation. People are still on the earth. People are still going around doing things. They will continue. Boy, I sure hope it's soon. (laughs)